This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, good morning. Really good to, to be here this morning. Good to see you all. Uh, I was away last weekend. I was in Horsham. Uh, together with uh, Jeremy and Anne and uh, some other members of the Christ Central team, we are there uh, to welcome LifeSpring Horsham into the Christ Central family, which was great. Had a really good weekend. They, they worked as hard, had lots of meetings with different groups of people. Um, but it's a <coughs> thrilling time to be around the church and to welcome them into what we're doing as Christ Central together. And it's great for us to have a church we're working with uh, further south than here. So that was really good. And uh, it was good to see some friends that I know many of you will know because we've been blessed by some of their team being with us on uh, different occasions. But it's good to be with them uh, for the weekend as well and excited as to what God is doing with them. They meet in a theatre in Horsham. They recently moved venues. And so it's not, not dissimilar to this actually. Now, I think our seats are a bit more comfortable, so we're okay. We still we still win the the comfy seat competition, um, but it is just good to see what all that they're doing uh, and be part of that. So uh, that was last weekend. We're good to be back here this weekend. And just to flag out a couple of other things over the summer. Uh, once schools break up, so I think it's going to be a couple of weeks' time. Um, we're going to be running summer Sundays. So that means if a few things. Firstly, it means a slightly shorter meeting in here. Thank you for saying that and not cheering. I was just nervous at that point which way I was going to go, so appreciate that. <coughs> also means we won't be running uh, Frog Club during the summer period. We're going to give our excellent Frog Club team a well-earned break. Let's certainly give them a round of applause. Uh, so if you've got kids of Frog Club age... Then there will, some, there will be some activities, there might be a film running in the box, but you will need to stay with your children, okay? So you cannot just leave them in there and walk out. That is not allowed. So uh, you need to make sure that uh, you've got the handle on that over the summer period. But we'll let you know a bit more about that near the time, but a couple more weeks before we get there. So this morning, uh, I want us to look together at the subject of giving. And before you think, ah, oh, I've heard all this before, you've talked about it before, heard what you've got to say, I want to ask you just to hang on in there, because I want to look at it from a slightly wider perspective than perhaps we've looked at it um, before. So I want to look at the subject of giving, not just money, but actually this is a wider area that I think God is speaking to us about. So let's pray. And then we'll open up the Bible together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. And we pray now, Lord, as, you, uh, as we open up your word together, that God, you would speak to us, that you would stir our hearts. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder if some kind person could grab me a drink of water, please, from, the, uh, from out there. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chrissy. That's really kind of you. <clears throat> so, I wonder, what is your favourite time of year? What's your favourite time of year? Winter. Okay. Any others? Spring. Who's going to go for autumn, somebody? Yeah, let's get, get the four seasons in. I think if you asked a... Um, I think if you asked a child that question, if you said to a small person, what is your favourite time of year, Rachel? Christmas, Christmas would be the answer. <laughs> and Christmas would be a, a, probably a common answer from kids, as also would, I guess, be their birthday. And then if you sort of delve down a little bit and say, well, why is that time of year so special to you? Why do you enjoy it so much? What is so significant about it, probably at least part of their answer would be they get presents. Yes, I know. Well done for the right answer over there on the back row. But probably for many kids, part of their answer would be about why 
Why, um, oh dear, that went well, didn't it? Why Christmas or birthday was so, is such a significant time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Probably it's about them getting gifts, them getting presents, them receiving something. So we live in a culture of giving, don't we? I mean, kids love to receive gifts, don't they? They love presents. Probably, if we were honest about it, adults love getting gifts too. Yeah? My wife is nodding very firmly in the front row. Spot the person that has a birthday coming sometime soon. It's okay, I've remembered, don't worry. It's in my diary so I don't forget. <laughs> we recently got given some, some gifts as a family and the first thing we wanted to do was to contact the person who'd given them to express our thanks. That's a natural response, isn't it? When you're given something, you want to you know, respond to that and express thanks and gratitude and, and appreciation. But as well as receiving gifts, I guess many of us like to give gifts as well. I love giving gifts. I love the joy of seeing someone's response when they open a carefully thought about and lovingly wrapped and prepared present or gift card. <laughs> Whatever it might be that you have, you know, you, you've given to somebody, you, know, you enjoy that moment, don't you? I enjoy that moment of actually giving someone a present. They're going to enjoy this, whatever it might be, or enjoy spending it, or enjoy using it, or wearing it, or whatever, whatever it is. You know, there's some joy in that moment for the giver, isn't there? I'm told that last week John spoke about encouragement. Is that right? Those of you who are here, what I should have done was said, what did John speak about last week? And you could all go on. Encouragement. And he would have been very encouraged by that if he was here, but he's not. Um, so you can get away with it. But encouragement is a great gift to give, isn't it? Actually, we're talking about giving presents, but actually, to give encouragement to somebody is a fantastic blessing, a fantastic gift. Actually, you can do an awful lot for somebody by encouraging them, showing appreciation for them, thanking them for what they what they've done or something they're doing or encouraging them. Actually, that's a massive thing that doesn't cost a lot other than some thought and some time. Actually, that's a massive gift that you can give. I wonder, on the back of um, John's preach last week, those of you who are here, who have you encouraged this week? I'm assuming that he made that challenge. I would, I would, I would guess. You know, there was probably a provocation of, so this week, who are you going to encourage? I wonder what you've done, or maybe in the week ahead, if you haven't got to it yet, who are you going to encourage? Because that is a fantastic gift that you can give. We have a culture, don't we, of giving gifts. That's, that's sort of in our, in our nature to do. In department stores set up uh, special lists for couples getting married, you can give an appropriate gift for the happy couple. You know, there are, are chains of shops that sell cards suitable for different occasions for you to give and show some, some love uh, towards somebody or good wishes or greetings, whatever it might be. You can set a gift list up online, can't you? Well, these are the things I would like. If you happen to be thinking about buying me a present, take a look at the list. It'll give you some ideas. Because giving is in our culture. As we said earlier, the natural desire when somebody gives you a gift is to show appreciation and thanks for that. And often to give a gift back. And that's what we do at Christmas, isn't it? We might give and receive presents. Where did that all start? Where do we get all that from? I want to suggest this morning that actually that gift-giving culture comes from God himself. Does it not? It's not just some invention of our modern society, not just some commercial enterprise that can keep a company going. Uh, giving comes from the very heart and nature of God himself. The Bible describes God as one who gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
God is a God who loves to give. He loves to give. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It's a promise there, isn't there? A promise about a God who loves to give good gifts. Right throughout Scripture, you find a picture of God who loves to give, loves to give good gifts, and even gave himself in giving his son. So if we live in a culture of giving, and we love and serve a God who loves to give, what about us? What does it say about our giving? Well, we've already said, haven't we, that our natural response to wanting to, uh, if we receive a gift, is to give something back. That's what we would do often at Christmas time. I wonder what's our response to the wonderful gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. In fact, God has given us all things, is he not? James 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change, like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift. We could have stand that verse the rest of the morning, couldn't we? Everything. Every. Every good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. So if God has given us these things, I wonder then what our response to Him should be. What are we going to give back to him? Well, I want us to consider three things this morning. There are probably more, but for the sake of time, we'll stick to three. And we're going to look at time, talents, and treasure. Time, talents, and treasure. So number one, time. Time. That's the first area that I want to call us to, to give to God. Now, there are many things that are different about each of us, aren't they? I mean, take a look around this morning. Can you see somebody who is identical to you? I'm assuming not. Maybe similar, but not the same. You might have some things in common, but you're different, aren't you? You're different ages different education, different background. If you work, you've probably got a slightly different job. Everything about you, actually, you're unique. But you know what? There's one great big leveler for all of us. We all have precisely the same amount of time available to us every week. To be exact, it's 168 hours each week all have exactly the same available to us. So the question is not how much time do you have, but rather the question is how are you using the time that you have? Now 56 of those hours should probably be spent sleeping. That's right, isn't it? Assuming eight hours a day. So the remaining 112 in a week how are you using them? We've all got the same available to us, haven't we? How are you using them? Now, each of us, admittedly, has different responsibilities. You may be working, so your employer has a call on some of those hours. You may have a family to look after and care for. So that will take some of your time as well. But I want each of us this morning to think, are we giving our time to God? And we can answer that question in two ways. Firstly, are you seeing that everything you do is part of your worship? Your worship to God is not contained just in two hours on a Sunday morning each week. But rather, everything you do, the way you live your life, the way you serve, care, love, everything you do is part of your worship. Everywhere you go, you bring the kingdom of God to that place. 
Or rather, everywhere you go, you can bring the kingdom of God to that place. Actually, you do, but are you aware of that? Are you thinking about that even? So be it at home or at school or college, at the school gates, at work, at the gym, in the pub, those two things don't really go together, do they? Never mind. Um, <laughs> wherever it is you go, wherever it is you go, are you seeking to be a dispenser of the kingdom of God in that place? Home, work, leisure, wherever it might be. Are you seeing that everything you do, everywhere you go, you can bring the kingdom of God there to those people, to that place? in that situation. That's the first way of answering the question about the time that we give to God. Actually, it's all his. We give it all to him. But secondly, I want to ask you, are you giving some of your time specifically to serve God's kingdom? Probably most naturally and easily through the local church. If you're regularly part of Jubilee, then us here, then that, that's here. If you're just visiting, then that's your church back home. But for those of you who are regularly part of us here, are you serving? Are you involved in giving some of your time to God in that way? And I know that many of you are. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for your time that you give to serving God in his church. Thank you for your time and energy that you give. It is noticed. It is appreciated. It is seen. It is valued. I see it. Others see it. And most importantly, God sees it. Even the things you do that no one else sees, he does. And appreciates it. And loves you for it. But maybe you're not yet serving here. And if that's the case, I want to invite you to join a serving team and be part of giving God some of your time to serve. So if you're regularly part of Jubilee, I want to invite you, indeed ask you, to, to give some of your time to serve him in the church. Be part of a serving team on a Sunday once a month. Be part of what God is doing amongst us. Now, I know many of you do that already. I know many of you do more than that. But if you're not yet, I want to invite you into that journey. There are many opportunities where you could give some of your time to serve God. And, in other, in, and as, sort of, as a benefit, a spin-off of that, you get to serve and bless others as well. It's a good deal, isn't it, actually? This church only works because of the many people who give their time and energy to it. If you're already doing that, thank you. It is appreciated. But if you're not yet, then I want to invite you into that journey. There are all sorts of things that you could get stuck into, be part of. Anything from kids' work and crèche, youth, worship, welcome, set up, production, and others who are, I've probably forgotten. Refreshments, that's a good one. The donuts are an important part of church life, are they not? <laughs> Listen, when a family gets together, you think about it, maybe a family goes away on holiday. And all you know, it's an extended family trip. They're on those big barns with you know, lots of rooms, and uh, you know, oh, we're going to go away with all the family and the cousins and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. And you know, everyone gets sort of mucks in, don't they? That sort of thing only works if everybody gets stuck, stuck in. The same is true in a local church. It only works if everyone gets stuck in and plays their part. So I want to invite you this morning to play your part and to be part of that journey. But a second T, which is closely connected to time, is that of talents. That's gifts and skills and passion. So what talents has God given you? What skills or passion has he given you? And are you using them to his glory? Or are you sort of hiding them away where nobody can really see and benefit from them? 
Part of that may be using them in his church. Part of it may be bringing your skills and your talents and your gifts to another kingdom enterprise. Wherever it is, are you using your skills and talents to the glory of God? It may be bringing your gifts and passion and skills and experience to your workplace and not just serving your boss or the company's bottom line, but seeking to invest there to build God's kingdom and to bring his presence into that place through what God has given you. All those arenas are good. All those arenas are to be encouraged. My ask this morning is that part of that for you is you bring your talents, your gifts and skill and experience to this place so that we might benefit and God might be glorified. This church is full of wonderfully gifted, creative and skillful individuals. So I wonder, are you bringing that creative gift and skill? I want to invite you into that journey. To do that, if you are not yet, or maybe you, there are some things that we haven't spotted or indeed don't know about. But a third T is one of treasure. Time, talents, and treasure. Or money, we could say. But it doesn't begin with T, and treasure does. <laughs> so that's why it's treasure. But what I want to talk about is, is money. It's a subject that often people think, ah, oh, that's all Christians talk about. Not true. We don't talk about it very much here. We probably ought to talk about it more. And the reason is that Jesus talks about it lots. Actually, out of the 38 parables we have recorded in the Gospels, 16 of them are about money and possessions. One in ten verses in the Gospels deal directly with the subject of money. This was not a subject that Jesus avoided. The subject he talked about lots. So if you're a guest here this morning, you could think, oh, the church is always talking about money. Actually, it's not true. We don't talk about it very much. But it shouldn't be a subject that we avoid because it's in the book. Jesus talked about it a lot, so actually we should talk about it as well. I think, if anything, we probably need to talk about it more than we do. So the Bible is very concerned about what we do with what we have, what we do with the money that God has given us. Regardless of whether that's a little or a lot, that doesn't seem to be the issue. The issue seems to be what we do with what we do have. So the starting point actually is that everything belongs to God. It's all his anyway. Actually it's not ours. It's on loan to us for a period of time, whatever we have. Actually we talk about it being ours or us owning something. Actually it all belongs to him. And we have it for a short window. In the time of eternity we have it for a snapshot, don't we? Everything belongs to God. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it, really? You're still done at that point. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world, all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So actually it all belongs to him. We're like stewards just taking care of some of it for a little while. Really just a few years, isn't it? And if we get that foundation right in our lives, then we can build on that and God can do something with that. The world says, oh, it's yours. You have a right to it. You've worked for it. You need it. Why should you give it away? But that's not the Bible's view. The Bible's view is everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. And so when we give a proportion back to him, actually we're acknowledging him as the owner of it all anyway. And actually as we give a proportion back to him, 
in doing so, we're saying, God, it's all yours. You own it anyway. You've given me something. I'm giving a proportion back to you. But you know what? The proportion represents the whole. Because actually, it's all his anyway. It's not that we just give a bit to him and go, oh, I'm keeping the rest of myself. Actually, the Bible's view is it's all his anyway. We give some of that back to him as part of our worship, like we did this morning. There's a bucket went round. I know many of you give through your bank and a standing order and so on. So you've already given it in that way, but actually it's representative. It's all his. He owns it all anyway. And so the part represents the whole. As we give something back to him, it represents the whole. And in doing so, we declare that he is the one that's Lord of our lives. He's the one that's Lord of our finances. He is the one who is worthy of all worship and all praise. Jesus said this in Luke 16, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the challenge for us then is to ensure that we use money well, but it doesn't rule us. It's a great servant, but a poor master. So what does the Bible say then about giving our money to him? Well, before we answer that question, let me make this statement. Listen up. It's a good one. God isn't after your money. It's not. God isn't after your money. God is after your heart. He's after your heart. He wants your heart. And you know what? If God gets your heart, everything else follows anyway. Time, talents, and treasure. They all follow. But God wants our heart. Excuse me. So my question then is this. Has he got your heart? Has God got your heart? Now if we were to look at the Bible and say, what does the Bible teach us about giving? Well, there are all sorts of passages that we could go to. And if you've been around Jubilee any length of time, you'll have no doubt heard me speak on most of them, I would imagine. So where do we go? Well, I thought we'd look at briefly at Malachi this morning. A little book right at the very end of the Old Testament. Why don't you, uh, you find it in your Bible? If you're finding it on your phone, it's easy. You just have to search for Malachi. If you're more old school like me, then um, find the beginning of Matthew and work backwards. And there it is, right at the end of the Old Testament. There's Malachi. And what does this prophet have to say about giving? Well, Malachi 3. God says this through Malachi. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God responds, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It's quite a powerful passage, isn't it? Where God speaks to his people 
Those people who had returned home after being away in exile, returned back to Jerusalem. But really, they're still under the control of the occupying power. And so now they're not doing so well. They're struggling in various areas of life. Earlier in the book, Malachi speaks about them bringing poor quality offerings to the Lord. They are bringing us the weak and the lame lambs as an offering, when really they should have been offering the best. They are trying to get away with the weakest option, the cheapest option. And here he speaks about their robbing God. He calls them to return, doesn't he? He calls them to return to the Lord. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. There's a moment in time where Malachi identifies what's going on in their heart and says, and God says, return to me. Come back. Come back. Remember, God is after your heart. It's true now. It's true then. He was after their hearts. That's why Malachi is calling the people of God to return to him. Because God's after their heart. Money and giving is an indicator and a way of honouring God. But primarily, God's after your heart. Because if he gets that, everything else follows. So I wonder this morning if, in the same way, Malachi calls to the people of God, return. The Lord says, return to me. I wonder if for any of you this morning, God would say that. Return to me. Come back. Come back home. It's like they knew it, really. It wasn't new information for them. It wasn't something they'd never heard before. It wasn't that this was a new revelation that was totally astounded. It was like, I'd never heard that. It wasn't like that. It was a return. It was a, you know what's right. You know what God said. You know how you used to follow him, Malachi could say. Return. Maybe God would say the same to some of us this morning. And if God's saying that to you this morning, I want to encourage you with all my heart, return to him. Don't say no to that voice. But say yes to him. Say yes to the Lord. So Malachi goes on and talks particularly about their giving, about tithes and offerings. And Malachi says, you're robbing God. It's not a good way to, you know, get a good relationship going, is it? You know, if he's looking to build a bridge with these people and to build a bridge of friendship and say, come on, let's have some relationship here. You don't get that by saying, you're robbing God. But it was true. They were. To Malachi and to the Lord himself, money was the heart issue that mattered. And it spoke of something much deeper. Remember the rich young ruler encountering Jesus in the New Testament? Again, money was getting in the way of him following Jesus. Now, we might not be in the same position as the Jewish people were in Malachi's time. But we do need to hear God's word here. Money for them was a big issue. Giving was a big issue for them. I wonder, is it the same for us? Is it the same for you this morning? I understand that this subject can be quite a delicate one. Sometimes we're reluctant to address it. It may be... You haven't had the long-promised pay rise. Maybe you're out of work and struggling to find work. Maybe this is an area of life that always seems difficult for you. I get that any of those statements could be true. We need to be sensitive to all of them. But listen, they're not reasons to avoid the subject. Because it's a subject the Bible has lots to say about. So Malachi said they were robbing God. What does he mean by that? 
Well, he goes on to explain it's in their tithes and offerings. Tithing started way back with Abraham giving 10% to the mysterious figure Melchizedek, the priest of God. And it continued right through the Old Testament, became enshrined in Old Testament law. That was that regular tithing, regular giving. Then there were offerings as well for special occasions, special purposes that the people of God would give to. And Malachi says that they're under a curse because of it, because they haven't got it right. Is that really fair that they're under God's curse? Well, listen, any time you're disobedient to God, you risk incurring his judgment. And you certainly don't receive his blessing. So is it relevant for us today? Is tithing even still relevant for us? You might say, well, I thought we were you know, not under the Old Testament law anymore. Aren't we in the New Testament now? Is this still relevant? Why are you, why are you looking at Old Testament passage, Graham? We don't, don't live in those times. Well, no, we don't live in those times. We are now under grace, not under law. But is it still relevant for us? Is tithing specifically commanded in the New Testament? Well, I can't take you to a verse that says in the New Testament you should tithe. However, there's no verse in the New Testament that says you shouldn't. And when Jesus came across the subject, he didn't tell people to stop. We'll get to a verse about that in a moment. But just before we ditch it as Old Testament law and not relevant to us, Think about when we first come across tithing in the Bible. It's well before the Old Testament law. Some six or seven hundred years earlier, as we've said, when Abraham gives 10% to the priest of God, Melchizedek, in Genesis 14. Theologians call that pre-law. It occurred before the law was given to the people of God. So we can't just write it off as Old Testament law being irrelevant for us. It's not the case at all. And in the New Testament, if Jesus had wanted opportunity to dismiss tithing, he could have done so. Had lots of opportunity to do that, but he didn't. On one occasion, he was having a go at the Pharisees, which is not unusual, for tithing their herbs and spices, but neglecting justice. He didn't tell them to stop tithing, Quite the reverse, in fact. Luke 11, verse 42, if you want to look it up. Jesus says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Jesus didn't abolish Old Testament law he fulfilled it. In fact, when it comes to New Testament versus Old Testament times, Jesus just raises the bar every time. So, for example, Old Testament law, do not murder. All agreed with that? Is it still relevant? I think it probably is. Anyway, Old Testament law, do not murder. New Testament, what did Jesus say? Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Okay, another example. Old Testament law, do not commit adultery. Old Testament law. What did Jesus say? Don't even look at a woman lustfully. It's the men, vice versa for the women. Again, he raises the bar. He fulfills the law and raises the bar. So what about money? Well, listen. God doesn't want your tithe. He wants your heart. In the Old Testament, it was give God 10% in the tithing, and there were offerings and that on top of that as well. So what is it in the New Testament? Well, again, Jesus raises the bar. It's give God everything. He's all his anyway. So if you want a percentage to put it to put on it. If that's helpful for you, well, surely it has to at least be what applied in the Old Testament. I don't see how it can be any less. Not to be slavishly applied as a law, 
but as a starting point for generous, grace-filled New Testament giving. And if 10% was right for the Old Testament people of God, haven't we got so much more now in Jesus Christ? How could we give any less? Tithing, giving God 10%, shouldn't be our finishing point, friends. It should be our starting point. If you are earning, I don't see how you can build a biblical New Testament case for giving God any less than 10%. Now, there might be some circumstances that are particular to you. You're on a journey towards something. You're making some things right in your own life. Maybe after a season, your finances is getting out of control. I understand that. But you're making a journey towards honoring God with your finances. I don't see how giving less than that you can justify from the New Testament. And actually, it should be our starting point. And depending what your circumstances are, your destination or finishing point will be different. So it may be 11%, 125 or 15 or 20%, I don't know, maybe more, depending what your own circumstances are. In fact, if God has blessed you financially and you're in a good position financially, then you've got more to give. Have you thought about it? In fact, that's the reason that God has blessed you financially so that you have more to give to him to extend his kingdom. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you reviewed your giving? When was the last time you sat down and thought about it, prayed about it, asked God what he wanted you to do? When was the last time you did that? My suggestion this morning is that if you haven't done that recently, then now might be a good time to do it. Be open to God about it. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Depending where you are currently, you might not be able to get to where you want to be straight away. You might need to put some things in place. Over a period of time, you might get to that position. You might need to change the way you order your finances. A little tip is what I found true in my life. Giving needs to be the top of your list, not the bottom. Because you never get to the bottom of your list. There's always something else that comes along. So if you just think, oh, I'll, I'll give something about what's left at the end of the month, then probably it won't be very much. I had to learn that lesson in my 20s. I've probably said it before, I remember talking to somebody about a work situation, a challenge I was facing, and his, his loving, careful response to me was, how's your giving? I'm like, I didn't talk about that. That's not the issue. The issue is this work problem I've got. And he's like, no, no, no. How's your giving? Like, um, well, I, I give sometimes. It's like, come on, how's your giving? Have you got this sorted? Is it regular? Is it proportionate? Have you, have you nailed this one? That's a challenge. I had to nail it early, in my tw early 20s. And you know what? I'm glad I did. Because that served me well ever since. Both regular giving and special occasional giving is commended and encouraged, indeed modelled, in Scripture, in the New Testament. And I want to encourage us, friends, this morning to excel in those things as individuals and as a church. Practically speaking, if you are earning, I'd suggest that if you get money paid into a bank account, probably a standing order is the easiest way for you to give regularly. It's good for you because it happens. You've thought about it, you've planned it, you've prayed about it, you've actioned it. So it's good for you and it's good for us as well because we can, that helps us to budget and prepare for what money that is generally coming into the church. Gift day two blesses us. If you are a taxpayer, a UK taxpayer, and you give to Jubilee, if you haven't yet filled out a gift aid form, please come and find me afterwards and I'd love to give you a gift aid form that you can fill in 
and return to us and we can claim the tax back on your gift at no cost to yourself. It's a no-brainer. It really is. And it's a real blessing to us. If you'd like some more information about finances in Jubilee and giving, then Izzy, can you just pass me those packs that are on my Bible, please? That's great. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. Then on the welcome table outside is one of these envelopes that says finance pack. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that will help you and answer some more questions that you may have. And uh, inside there is also a gift aid form that I've got some more of if you want one of those. But I want to encourage us this morning, friends, let's excel in this area of giving. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder where this morning is your treasure? Investing in the heavenly kingdom is a good investment plan. It really is. Be a radical giver. So I can say that this morning, not knowing what any of you give other than us. I don't. So I don't want any of you to think about, oh, is this something going at me because he knows what I'm giving or not giving? I don't. If you're feeling a prick of conscience, I suggest it's more to do with the Holy Spirit than it is my knowledge. Because I genuinely don't know. But I do know this. I do know that many of you do give generously and regularly. Because I can see what the total amount is <laughs> without the individual breakdown. And so if you do give generously and regularly, I want to thank you for your commitment to God and to his church. Thank you for that generous, radical giving to God's kingdom. But maybe you're not in that category yet. Maybe you just started to give or you give occasionally or haven't quite got to a place of proportional giving. I want to encourage you, wherever you are on that journey, out this morning, make some steps. So maybe for you it's starting to give regularly where you've just been given occasionally. Maybe for you it's setting up a standing audience saying, no, I'm going to think about this, I'm going to pray about it, plan for it, indeed budget for it, and set up a standing order and commit to it. Maybe for you it's making that step this morning. Maybe if you've already done that, it's, it's looking again at your finances and saying, God, am I giving the right amount? Asking the Lord for his perspective on things. Wherever you are in that journey this morning, I want to encourage you and ask you to take a step and ask God to speak to you and help you with it. I love Terry Virgo's quote on giving, where he says, Beware the danger of assessing your spirituality, spirituality I'll say a word, selectively. God wants you to be seriously committed to giving away money. Generosity is one of the key characteristics of a grace-filled believer. So, would you describe yourself as generous, he says. So this morning as we finish, I want to invite you to join the adventure of grace-filled, generous giving. If you're part of Jubilee, then I want to ask you to pray about and review your giving before the Lord. And let's make sure that our hearts are right before him. That our giving to God of our time, of our talents, and our treasure is reflective of what he's given to us. It's all from him anyway, isn't it? It really is. He owns it all. We give a proportion back. But in giving a proportion back, it's representative of the whole because it's all about his. It's all about him. It's all for his kingdom anyway. Let's pray together. Let's stand here and I'm going to pray as we close.
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for all that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Thank you for all that you have given us, all that you continue to give us. And Lord, we want to say this morning that we as a church want to be committed to giving you time, Lord, to giving you uh, of our talents and giving to you out of the treasure that you have given us in the finance that you have provided us with. And so, God, for each of us this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be obedient to your call on our lives. Lord, wherever we're at on our giving journey, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to take steps forward. Lord, thank you for providing all that we have needed over the years as a local church. Thank you for your faithfulness to us through the faithfulness of your people. And Lord, we pray that you continue to provide all that we need for the extension of your kingdom here in Derby, or in Burton, and beyond in the nation and the nations as we seek to play our part in all that you're calling us to. God, we pray that we would be a generous church and that, God, we would be full of generous people where you totally have our heart. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, so if you want to take on the finance packs, they're on the table in the foyer just outside, as are the gift aid forms. And uh, your kids, if you left them in Croatia or Frog Club, will need collecting. And then there's refreshments through just in a box, through the double doors and on your left there. Please don't rush off, but stay and enjoy those with us. God bless you. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday back here. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.